0: Hello, readers. This is Karen Hunt, a.k.a. K.H. Majek, and I am here to record my latest essay, which I worked so hard on for such a long time. It is called I, Zombie, and I quote from Dr. Yuval Noah, this whole idea that humans have this soul or spirit, and they have free will, and nobody knows what's happening inside of me. That's over. In 2018, futurologist Dr. Ian Pearson told The Sun he believes humans are very close to achieving immortality, the ability to never die. If you're under 40 reading this article, he said, you're probably not going to die unless you get a nasty disease. We all know about nasty diseases now, don't we? We were exposed to one, or so they told us, for the past two and a half years. Those of us who resisted the assaults on our bodies and our minds and did our best to warn others about the dangers of compliance could only watch helplessly as the charade played itself out. The relentless psychological abuse compelled most people to submit to irrational and humiliating rituals, believing that it was the only way to keep them safe, masks obscuring faces so that children began to think they were part of their skin, obsessive cleansing of bodies and products with poisonous solutions, objects stuck up our noses causing pain and bleeding, Isolation from friends and loved ones, the elderly cut off from human contact and left to die alone, and finally, forced experimental gene therapy injected into the bodies, not only of adults, but children and even pregnant women and babies, all within an environment of public shaming, job losses, and ostracization by family, friends, co-workers for those who refused to obey. Our tormentors played upon our greatest fear, fear of the unknown, which is in essence fear of death. Believing their lies of protecting our mental and physical health, they destroyed our immune systems and blew our minds with mass psychosis and menticide. And then suddenly the nightmare was over. You can get your freedom back, they told us, but with the understanding that since their methods of saving humanity had worked so well, they would do it again next time. Just when we began to relax our minds once more, a new terror emerged to afflict us, war and the possibility of biological attacks. So began the onslaught of cognitive warfare, but by now people were well-conditioned and their minds immediately shifted to this new catastrophe and its physical manifestation in the form of Vladimir Putin, the cause of our newfound misery." At the same time a hero emerged, Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky, a Christ-like figure who vows to give his life to save his people from the evil Antichrist Putin. The message is clear. Whereas with COVID we were expected to give up our freedoms for the sake of our safety, we must now willingly give up our very lives for the safety of the state. Many who saw through the COVID scam are blinded by this one. After all, who can deny that war is evil and that Putin is the aggressor? People are dying. Chemical weapons are about to be unleashed. A nuclear holocaust is imminent. For the sake of our children's children, for the sake of humanity, for the sake of our planet, we must all unite against this common evil. We must prove our loyalty and willingly lay down our lives just as our hero Zelensky has inspired us to do. At the same moment as we stand on the verge of annihilation with World War III, not to mention the possibility of bio-attacks and a pandemic worse than the last, deepening energy crises and famine, cyber attacks that could turn our world dark, crash airplanes and send satellites hurtling out of control, at the same time as all of that, we are being offered the most tantalizing of lifeboats. We are being told we can throw off these physical and mental constraints by plugging into the vast machine, as Jonathan Twelve Hawks so aptly calls it in his book series, Starting with The Traveler. And I quote him, Since the prehistoric era, human beings have created and used a wide variety of objects, but now a significant change is about to occur. In the near future, we will simply become another object that can be monitored, tracked, and controlled within the vast machine. End quote. While, these new, while this new war rages before our eyes, behind the scenes an international agreement is being mapped out that will cast in stone the draconian measures we have been subjected to over the past almost three years. The WHO came out with this chilling narration to a little video. When the global pandemic strikes next time, together with Dr. Tedros, we have proposed an international treaty on pandemics rooted in the WHO Constitution. We need to create an environment where every scientist, health worker, government can band together for a common cause. Working together to build new solutions to protect what's most precious, our health and our lives. One year after the launch of the initiative, negotiations for an international agreement on pandemics are speeding up. We owe it to future generations. End quote. You, owe it to future generations to obey the measures they are busy installing right now. And most of us will. Many will go even further by offering themselves up freely for experimentation, believing they are on the forefront of ushering in a new age of enlightenment for us all. The ability to live forever within the clouds of the vast machine. How? How can it be done? by repairing our physical bodies with new organs grown inside of animals, by tinkering with fetuses and snipping their DNA to create new species, and ultimately by connecting our minds to computers and becoming one with them, flying free of all physical constraints in the metaverse. This isn't anything new. It is the stuff of folk tales, fairy tales, legends, science fiction, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. It is the embodiment of our highest hopes and worst nightmares. It is everything we have been warned against in church and everything we have been promised on television. We hear whispers of dark rituals performed by the elite down through history in order to rejuvenate themselves. Some say the elite are already hundreds of years old. Vampires achieved immortality by drinking blood. The 18th century, commonly known as the Age of Reason, was at the same instance rife with an hysterical fixation on the existence of vampires, who it was said haunted the brooding forests and villages of Eastern Europe. Vampirism captured the minds of rational folk and became a kind of madness, challenging the natural and divine laws of the world. Historian Marie-Hélène Huey who writes about the political concept of disaster, says that vampirism is not just a plague, it is a false religion. But these are just stories told to children at night to frighten them into obedience. Religions assure us we can avoid disasters in this life and reap rewards in the afterlife if we obey God now. Jesus died on the cross for our sins and rose again the third day, if we put our trust in him, confess our sins, we will have eternal life. Islam promises the faithful a renewed life in paradise and a thousand versions. For women, well, the deal isn't as enticing. They get the same old husband they were with in this life. The Hindu-Buddhist philosophy teaches of an eternal birth-death-birth cycle of reincarnation where a soul moves from body to body, hopefully, into ever-higher forms. Shelley's masterpiece, Frankenstein, tells a tale of a mad scientist infusing his creation with a natural life through the sparks of electricity. This creature yearns for love and acceptance in a world that hates, fears, and abuses him, ultimately driving him to commit murderous acts. Putin is the reincarnation of Frankenstein's monster, and we must collectively agree to destroy him before he destroys us. Our futuristic visionaries promise that they will commit none of the mistakes of Dr. Frankenstein. There will be no yearning for love and acceptance, no room for disorder of thinking. Their creations will have undergone a zombification of the mind. Dr. Yuval Noah of the World Economic Forum tells us exactly what their transhumanism goals are here. Humans are hackable animals, he says. This whole idea that they have this soul or spirit and they have free will and nobody knows what's happening inside of me. So whatever I choose, whether it in the election or whether in the supermarket, this is my free will, that's over. People will look back in a 100 years and identify the coronavirus epidemic as the movement when a new regime of surveillance took over. I think maybe the most important development of the 21st century, he says, is this ability to hack human beings, to go under the skin, collect biometric data, analyze it, and understand people better than they understand themselves. By hacking organisms, elites may gain the power to re engineer the future of life itself. He continues by saying that in the coming decades, AI and biotechnology will give us godlike abilities to re engineer life and even to create entirely new life forms. We are about to enter a new era of inorganic life shaped by intelligent design. End of quote. This supposes that humans are not already intelligent designs. These big thinkers, these visionaries, these elite billionaires are the embodiment of all that is foolish in man who in his arrogant ignorance and refusal to bow to a higher power than himself is ripe to buy Satan's promise that he hissed to Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden and I happen to like the lyrical sound of the King James Version, so I quote it here. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not die, for God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. Genesis 3, 4-5 Whether or not you believe that this story is real, we would do well to heed its warning. But of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Genesis 2.17 This is a profound truth that we deny at our peril. All of humanity's ills can be traced to the desire to be God's, and right now we are seeing the culmination of thousands of years of this behavior, and just as they promised to have finally found the secret to being God, they have brought us to the brink of extinction. For these little men who have a god complex, they wish to reduce, reduce the rest of us to hackable animals, justifying experimentation on and control of our minds and bodies. Whether they achieve their insane goal or not is irrelevant to the fact that a few maniacal billionaires and their posse of scientists are trying to make it happen and they have nearly unlimited resources to keep trying until they either annihilate the humanity completely or they die trying. It is a race against time, and the more desperate they become, the more the rest of us suffer at the hands of their horrific machinations where once we represented the highest form of God's creation made in his image, we are being reduced to soulless creatures, just a jumble of flesh and bone that somehow made it out of the primordial soup and grew into something called humanity. In order to achieve their goals, they will cajole you, threaten you, Offer you bits of tantalizing candy. Make you believe that the experiments they are inflicting upon your mind and body are necessary and good and that you will one day reap the benefits from it. And anyway, even if you don't, you should submit willingly because your sacrifice will ensure that others can live. Enter Elon Musk, everyone's favorite billionaire. Here we have Elon Musk's Macau named Pager, sucking on a banana smoothie while playing Pong with his mind. How can it perform such a trick? Well, it isn't a trick. It has what Musk calls a Neuralink implanted in both sides of its brain. If it plays as it's been taught to do, it gets a treat. Neuralink is the name of Elon Musk's most important company, and its brain chips are heralded as a miracle that will enable the paralyzed to walk again. They will create and manipulate neurons in your brain in order to solve health issues like addiction, blindness, and depression. Just imagine, nobody needs ever be depressed again. But if it stops depression, what will fill that void? Will it make everyone continuously happy? Or will it kill all highs and lows, reducing us again to this state of constant zombification? Microchips were implanted into monkeys' brains during a series of tests. Pager is a star performer. Not every monkey was, according to a complaint from the Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine, filed with the U.S. Department of Agriculture, The complaint details that one monkey was allegedly found missing some of its fingers and toes, possibly from self-mutilation or some other unspecified trauma. The monkey was later killed during a terminal procedure. Another monkey had holes drilled into its skull and electrodes implanted into its brain, then allegedly developed a bloody skin infection and had to be euthanized. In a third instance, a female macaw monkey had electrodes implanted into its brain, then was overcome with vomiting, retching, and gasping. Days later, researchers wrote that the animal appeared to collapse from exhaustion and fatigue and was subsequently euthanized. An autopsy showed the monkey had suffered from a brain hemorrhage. Well, mistakes are bound to happen. It's all for the greater good, right? musk is now ready to start trials on humans just think you could have a microchip implanted into your brain just like pager the monkey or gertrude the pig typically the skull is cut open the brain is exposed chips are installed connectors are mounted to the skull and the head is stitched up but not to worry rest easy in the knowledge that Neuralink's robot will perform the surgery instead of a fallible human, implanting wires under your skull as threads, bypassing blood vessels and causing minimal trauma. What will your reward be? No more disease, no more mental health issues, no more anxiety or autism. You can have fun too. Your life will be more convenient than ever. Your mind will be connected to gadgets like smartphones and you can play games realer than any reality. You will be able to open doors and turn on lights with your mind. Or rather, whose mind? All your thoughts will be known. You will have no more privacy even within your own head. What happens if you misbehave? You won't because the vast machine will know of those bad thoughts even before you do. What happens if you want to eat a second scoop of ice cream or take another shot of vodka? Nope. What happens if you don't want to take that heart medication or that next genetic therapy injection? You will have no choice. To disconnect from the vast machine will bring death, but never fear. To stay connected means everlasting life, a life of slavery to the gods who rule you. A Russian mogul, Dmitry Iskov, who made his fortune as founder of the web publishing company New Media Stars, is creator of the 2045 Initiative, a nonprofit, and its avatar project which seeks to transpose human consciousness into artificial bodies within the next 30 years. Cyborgs, in other words, a human-based singularity. Iskob believes that we could all be happier if we were free from physical suffering. These gods think that if they just clinically add or remove objects from our bodies and our minds, it will solve our spiritual problems. But as C.S. Lewis points out in The Problem of Pain, try to exclude the possibility of suffering, which in order of nature and the existence of free will involve, you will find that you have excluded life itself. The mystery of life demands the yin and the yang, the pain and the pleasure. We know instinctively that we cannot have one without the other. We do not understand why, but this is the law of the universe. To try to take that away does not mean eternal life. It means our zombification. The science that leads us on this road to zombification was psychiatry. We have been told repeatedly that there is something wrong with us and that we are incapable of fixing it except through experts who control us. Straight jackets. Straight jackets were first introduced at the turn of the century along with electric shock, hosing down, shackles, lobotomy, and holes being drilled into brains to relieve brain pressure. German physicians gave birth to the idea of mental diseases of the brain, lending credence to the idea of treating it in the same way as one might treat a physical disease. Psychiatry and the German state worked together to institutionalize those with damaged minds, which is really a form of the elite engineering eugenics on an unsuspecting public. Dr. Thomas says, author of The Myth of Mental Illness, says the evil genius of psychiatry continues to lie in its ability to convince itself, the legal system, and the public that there is no conflict between the legitimate interests of the individual and the legitimate interests of the political class in charge of the state. Karl Warnock, a prominent 19th century German neuropsychiatrist observed, the medical treatment of mental patients began with the infringement of their personal freedom. This started with the abuses of benevolent tortures, such as frightening patients by throwing them into snake pits, the origin of the term snake pit for insane asylum. These horrific restraints were precursors to the current drugs, and yet as... We as a society embraced psychiatry, we embraced being told we were mentally ill, we embraced having our natural senses doled with drugs, facing reality and how uncomfortable it could make us feel. Well, we were told it was too much for us to handle and we believed it because psychiatrists promised to make life easier. We shouldn't have to deal with negative feelings. As a result, After years and years of using drugs to dull our senses, we were primed to accept the COVID lie that we could not deal with the reality of the situation. We had to hide from it. We had to drug ourselves in ways and beyond limits never seen before. This we did at the advice of the experts we had come to trust and because they assured us that it was for our own good. The methods of restraint are no longer as offensive as straitjackets. They are little pills. They are vaccine needles. And because they are little pills and vaccine needles, we have been convinced we need to take them. And people have willingly given in to being constrained by them. It is imperative that we understand this gradual acceptance of drugs into our systems, this belief that we cannot deal with reality unless we are under the influence of some kind of mind-altering medication so that now we are ready to embrace having microchips inserted into our brains one step at a time millions if not billions of people have now gladly accepted this transition how are the elite changing humanity let's start with chimeras there are three definitions for chimera in the dictionary one in greek mythology a fire-breathing female monster with a lion's head, a goat's body, and a serpent's tail. 2. A thing that is hoped or wished for, but in fact is illusory or impossible to achieve. 3. An organism containing a mixture of genetically different tissues formed by processes such as infusion of early embryos, grafting, or a mutation. The first two definitions are the stuff of fairy tales and nightmares. They are illusory. The last definition is anything but illusory. While the world was in lockdown and we were being terrorized by our governments, the media and health officials, for our own good, something important was happening in a laboratory at the Primate Biomedical Research Laboratory in Kunming, China. Led by Juan Carlos Ispisua Belmont, researchers successfully created the first human monkey chimera embryos in the lab. Belmont is a professor in the Gene Expression Laboratory at the Salk Institute for Biological Studies and well respected for his work in embryo development. In fact, in 2018, he was named one of the most influential people in healthcare. By Time magazine. Carrying out experiments on human embryos posed ethical dilemmas. After 19 days, developing babies are still blastocysts, just a bundle of cells, but still have the potential to become people. So Belmont refrained from conducting his experiments in the West and went to China Just like Fauci did with his gain of function research, where such ethical questions are not asked. Researchers injected 25 human stem cells into 132 six day old macaw embryos. Ten days later, most of them, 103, were still developing using both the monkey and human cells. Belmont made it clear that his only goal was to solve some biological mysteries that would help humanity. Which biological mysteries? Could you please be more specific, Mr. Belmont? Belmont can assure us, until he is blue in the face, that he has no intention of using these experiments for anything unethical. He can assure us, and he has that the last thing he is interested in is creating cross-species mutants like we see in X-Men, X-Men movies. We are not going to use monkeys to create human organs inside monkeys, he said, referencing one of the potential outcomes of such research that many feel crosses ethical lines. Rather, his noble calling is to learn the language of early Human embryo development using this monkey human model and then use that to better understand disease. Ah yes, this is what all scientists claim they want to do. What all the elite who are funding them claim they want to do. Save ordinary citizens from terrible diseases like cancer and diabetes. Little by little though the goalposts move. And sometimes they even let out what they really want to do. Martin Rothblatt, the CEO of United Therapeutics, the company that owns Revivicar, which provides organs for all the recent transplant breakthroughs, didn't mince words in a 2015 TED Talk. <clears throat> Just like we keep cars and planes and buildings going forever, With an unlimited supply of building and machine parts, why can't we create an unlimited supply of transplantable organs to keep people living indefinitely? Why not indeed? I personally would love to trade in my old parts for new ones. But will I? How about you? How about those homeless people in downtown Los Angeles? Those beggars at the Blue Gate in Fens, Morocco? The drug addicts infesting our inner cities? Do we really think they will make eternal life available to everyone? That would really cause an overpopulation problem. For humankind to move on to the next level, brutal decisions to cut off Certain groups of people from advancement must be made. We have built much of our philosophy on Darwin. One general law leading to the advancement of all organic beings, namely, multiply, vary, let the strongest live and the weakest die. As we move closer and closer to defining everything as matter, including humans, and dismissing the mystery of life and the soul, such research is coming out of the closet and being accepted as mainstream. On June 14, 2021... The U.S. Senate passed a bill introduced by Chuck Schumer called the Endless Frontier Act, which allocated $250 billion to the NIH to promote emerging technologies to help the U.S. better compete with Chinese innovation. Some of those funds went towards Belmont's human-monkey chimera research. As I've mentioned in previous essays, the most important way the government has found to further this research is through the collection of data. Just one month before, on, in May 2021, Biden asked Congress for, for $6.5 billion to fund HARPA, a new biomedical research agency modeled after the U.S. military's high-risk, high-reward Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency, or DARPA. The flagship program of HARPA is called Safe Home, short for Stopping Aberrant Fatal events by helping overcome mental extremes. Safe Home gathers private data from Apple Watches, Fitbits, Amazon Echo, and Google Home, and other consumer electronic devices, as well as information from healthcare providers to determine if an individual might be likely to commit a crime. The data would be analyzed by AI algorithms for early diagnosis of neuropsychiatric violence. Well, why not? We all want to see the end of crime, don't we? While ordinary citizens are monitored in this fashion, others will, as Yuval Harari tells us, be given godlike abilities to re-engineer life and even to create completely new life forms. If successful, these people would have the potential to never tire and think smarter, move faster, jump higher, see farther, hear better, hit harder, live longer, adapt stronger, and calculate quicker than all the ordinary humans who would then become redundant. A Pentagon-sponsored RAND report outlines the technological potentials of this research, which includes adding reptilian genes that provide the ability to see an infrared and making humans stronger, more intelligent, or more adapted to extreme environments. According to the RAND report, human performance enhancement, HPE, can be grouped into three principal categories. Number one, gene editing. Number two, applications of artificial intelligence, AI. And number three, networked technologies that are wearable or even implantable, the so-called Internet of Bodies, or IOB. So let's say your son is given these superhuman powers when he joins the military. What happens when his service ends? Does he end along with it? Is he owned by the military? Can they take him apart and implant his enhancements in the next person? Certainly those elites who are making all of this happen will not want anyone beneath them getting too powerful. They will ensure that they are the owners of our bodies and our minds and can disassemble us if, when, and however they choose. Would you be willing to make a deal with the devil if, like Joe Boyd in the film Damn Yankees, you have the chance to fulfill your greatest wish, which in Joe's case meant transformation from an old man into a young slugger who saves the season for his favorite baseball team? Former Google CEO Eric Schmidt gave the Broad Institute $150 million to connect biology and machine learning for understanding programs of life. During his time on the Broad Institute board, Schmidt also chaired the National Security Commission on Artificial Intelligence, a group of mostly Silicon Valley intelligence and military operatives who have now charted the direction of the U.S. government's policies on emerging tech and AI. The Broad Institute recently announced that its health research platform, Terra, would partner with Microsoft. As a result, Terra now allows Google and Microsoft to access genomic data that is poured into the platform by academics and research institutions from around the world. In addition, last September, Google teamed up with the Department of Defense as part of a new AI-driven predictive health program, Unlimited Hangout, noted that this would enable Google to gain access to the largest repository of disease and cancer-related medical data in the world, which is held by the Defense Health Agency. The military is currently being used to pilot COVID-19-related biometric wearables for returning to work safely. Last December, it was announced that Hill Air Force Base in Utah would make biometric wearables a mandatory part of the uniform for some squadrons. According to the Air Force, these devices detect biometric indicators that are then analyzed by 165 different biomarkers by the Defense Threat Reduction Agency Philips Healthcare AI algorithm that attempts to recognize an infection or virus around 48 hours before the onset of symptoms. The next step, step, of course, is for these wearables to be used by the masses, a big step Toward the infrastructure needed for the resurrection of a biosurveillance program to be run by the National Security State. One indicator of the push for mass use is the same Aura Smart Ring being used by the Air Force was also recently utilized by the NBA to prevent COVID nineteen outbreaks among basketball players. Another wearable tied to the military is the BioButton, advertised as a wearable system that is a scalable and cost-effective solution for COVID-19 symptom monitoring at school, home, and work. BioIntellisense received 2.8 million from the Pentagon to develop the wearable for COVID-19. BioIntellisense's wearable sensors, sensors are being implemented for use on some college campuses and at some U.S. hospitals. BioIntellisense is currently running a study partnered with Philips Healthcare and the University of Colorado on the use of its wearables for early COVID-19 detection, which is entirely funded by the U.S. military. Several countries have already required foreign arrivals to be monitored through use of a wearable during a mandatory quarantine period. St. Lucia uses BioButton for this purpose. Singapore has given every single one of its residents a wearable called a Trace Together token for its contact tracing program, mandatory for all workplaces, shopping malls, hotels, schools, healthcare facilities, grocery stores, and hair salons. While these measures are being lauded enthusiastically, Yuval Harari issues a warning about what it will ultimately lead to. On one level will be the lower beings, the humans. On a higher level will be the controllers. And I quote, The result might be a race of humans who are very intelligent and very disciplined, but lack compassion, lack artistic sensitivity, and lack spiritual depth. And without a doubt it will mean humanity will split, not into classes, it will split into different species dominated by entities that are more different than us than we are different from Neanderthals or from chimpanzees. If too much of the data becomes concentrated in too few hands, humanity will split, not into classes, it will split into different species he says. Genetic engineering, artificial intelligence, and the Internet of Bodies in the service of human performance enhancement may forever change human beings as a species. As we stand on the precipice of this posthuman world, we must ask ourselves, what could be lost and what could be gained? Who would benefit and who would be made irrelevant? Who are you now and what may you become? What are you made of? and who do you really think you are? Even when the time comes to accept or refuse enhancement, will you choose to take it? Oh, sorry, you will not have a choice. But the significance of not having the choice will be lost on most of us, since already the majority of citizens believe that life is so dangerous that we must accept these experimentations upon our bodies and our minds for our own safety and for the safety of humankind, which ironically is being destroyed in the process. When I was reading about Dr. Belmont, he made a statement that I cannot stop thinking about. There is a moment called gastrulation that for humans occurs about two weeks after egg and sperm meet in fertilization. He described it as the lightning rod moment when brain cells start to distinguish themselves from skin cells and lung cells, diverge from hair cells, and so on. It is the moment when an embryo becomes human. This is the moment Belmont and others like him want to dig into and pick apart under their microscopes. That moment when a human being is formed out of a mass of cells. What are we? Never forget that we are more than hackable commodities to be dissected and implanted with microchips like Pager the monkey and Gertrude the pig. Albert Einstein said that all religions, arts, and sciences are branches of the same tree. If we stop nourishing that tree and turn everything into a clinical trial, we have lost our humanity forever. That's it. (laughs) Thank you for listening, for reading. Please share, and please, I would love to hear your comments. Thank you, everyone, so much.